if you were looking at little Jenna, like <laughs> under, you know, you know, somewhere between the age of three to seven, because that's such a formulative stage. If you can remember, like, who did little Jenna want to be? And how has she like aligned or shifted with that vision and passionate little being? Well, interesting enough, so, such a good question, by the way. So good. Um, I think I wanted at that age, I really wanted to be a dancer, right? But really dance is what sparked this, right? Yeah. It was getting up in my room and dancing. Yeah. So, no, I'm not dancing every day, <laughs> but, but I'm, it's definitely what started the movement. So maybe it was onto something when I was little. the Camp VP Uncensored Podcast, Season 3, Episode 28, Part 2, with my guest, Jenna ben Share. As we continue our conversation together, sharing our journey, both surviving cancer, in Jenna's case, taking the movement of dance and creating a movement called Twist Out Cancer, and now having touched over 240,000 people's lives, giving them the platform to share their stories. This is why we do this podcast, because it's all about connection and conversation. So grab that coffee and grab that cannoli, because here we go. You know, I think a lot about like what COVID did in terms of changing the narrative of how we talk about our health. So there was <laughs> such, you know, such a stigma associated with mental health. We talk about what we do as providing psychosocial support to people touched by cancer. And really what that is, is that we are providing an opportunity for people to look after themselves and to take care of their mental health and to figure out what it is that they need because the emotional impact of a cancer diagnosis is profound, not just on the individual, but on the whole inner orbit, on all the people that love you, right? So being okay talking about those things really changed our ability to do the work. And I think there's more of an appetite for it now. Whereas before, when we were first starting, they were like, okay, art therapy, like, what's that? It's not, you know, it's not so interesting. Um, but I think now they're realizing that the arts can be used in so many different ways to get people to really own their story. And, and so we're seeing a real increase of interest in what we're doing. And so my hope is that we can continue to forge these really meaningful partnerships that will allow us to impact a lot more people. Well, I love that. And it, you know, it makes sense. First off, obviously this being launched and your story being the catalyst to this whole movement and how now over time, you know, 240,000, I mean, a quarter of a million people. That's crazy. It's crazy. And it's, and it is, and it's, and, you know, you, you also said the, the layers, as I referred to it, the layered onion, the levels of how you 
as an individual, let alone everybody around you are affected. I don't, you know, I think people, I think our world is so detached that they don't even, they, they barely want to look at themselves in the mirror with good light, let alone get in contact with their emotions and their feelings and how that resonates and how, how that, you know, how that affects them today, let alone tomorrow, let alone a year from now. And I think when you're talking about things like this, where you're, you know, dissecting and you're cutting open, so to speak, um, a relative thing that most people like six degrees of separation are going to know or experience firsthand this unfortunate disease until we eradicate it, scientifically speaking. And that's the truth and why research is so important. And women's health, sadly, is on the bottom of all of that trajectory. And being a pre-med kid in the 80s, I knew back then, and I love doctors, but I knew back then that research was being done on one category. And that was no disrespect, but white men. Well, if we can heal ourselves, we can live forever. Mm -hmm. The rest, they'll figure it out. <laughs> but we all know that that's just not the way it happens. It has to be through what we've already discussed 10 times over, research. And yeah, mental health. I mean, I make the running joke that my parents... Therapy was no big deal in the 60s. You needed to see a therapist, like going to the dentist. This was just what you did. But we were an anomaly. We didn't, you know, my family was, I know, very different. This is why I can talk about yeah. so many things so openly because of the environment I was raised around. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, I know the impact of mental health first and for, firsthand, not because, you know, one sitting in a therapist's office every week. And if I was, so be it. Mm -hmm. But the value of being able to talk out things and communicate and express your emotions. One of the things that I talk about are the importance of building a team and how fortunate I've been to have a full-blown team walking me through this mm -hmm. daily, weekly, monthly now that I've been able to resource. And even though these teams in my case, fortunate that are offered up, most people do not beyond their oncologist tap into those resources because of embarrassment, shame. No, I don't need that. I won't need that. Why would I need that? I'm just going to get this stuff cut out and I'm going to go through this therapy and I'm going to move on with my life. I can speak for myself and say who I was in November when I finally got diagnosed and the shock and the reality and the game face and the armor that I put on to like go forward and attack this full blown. I was telling this to my very closest doctor in all my doctors yesterday, who happens to be one of the most extraordinary ear, nose and throat doctors in the world. And I was his very first patient back in 2001. And this man takes care of the biggest and the best in the business. And I said to him, I had emailed him on that, that um, Friday of that November when I got my diagnosis, mm -hmm. 
mentioning the oncologist that I was going to go see that agreed to see me. And did he know him or did he ever reference it? I didn't even realize he had replied. So in this whole time when this man who's like family, who normally I'd be in communication with, I never thought replied until I realized like a month ago when he had actually replied right away and was like, good on you, Felicia, for advocating. You couldn't be aligned with a better oncologist regarding this subject. Like all the things that I was like had these angels. But my point is, is the mental health, what I didn't realize the journey of November till now, June of 2023. So November, 2022 to, to June, 2023, and still being in recovery because I'm now just as of tomorrow will be six weeks since my last chemo. And, you know, the hair is just starting to grow back in. I mean, I was like dumbfounded. Here I am in the beauty industry. Here I am. I've dealt with cancer patients since I was very young in my career back in Chicago. I was working with cancer patients. I was dumbfounded by the accumulation of the chemo. My last chemo treatment is when like all my eyebrows went away and all my lashes went away and whatever left of the hair went away. And for I really like you know, people would be like, God, you don't look like you went through cancer. Like you just show up looking like you got this glow and all this stuff and you're working out and blah, 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 and all the things and you got color. And then there was this moment where it was like, I said to myself, wow, you, you really visually look like you've been through mm-hmm. cancer. And, you know, the thing is, is we all going through these whatever form we've gone through, all get, go through a different, we all have our own path, you know? I now have the scar coming up from my pubic bone to my navel. And I lost my hair as many people do going through chemo. And my trainer had asked me very early on after my surgery, but before chemo, you know, do you feel any different having had a hysterectomy? And this kind of sounds a little truck driver-ish, but it's not meant to. And I was like, no, I feel completely like myself. I mean, excuse me, I still have my I still have my vagina, I still have my asshole, and I still have my personality, so I'm good. And she was just like, what the God's And I was like, I mean, come on. I'm not less of a woman, but I have literally had people gasp, Jenna when they hear that I've had a hysterectomy. And so mental health, it's like mental health, sometimes people don't realize it's not even what your internal voices are, it's the external voices that then have their reactions towards your situation that then you're faced with. And then you go, oh, whoa, what was that? You just gasped because I had to have my organs taken out to save my life. What, do you think I'm less of a woman? Would you gasp with your wife or your girlfriend or your mother or your daughter? Like, what makes you think that that's okay? And personally, by the way, do we gasp when men's penises are clipped so they can't keep impregnating women? No. Why? Because that would be so emasculating. (gasps) You just had your penis clipped. (gasps) Like, what? (laughs) Like, who are we? Come on, think before you like react. 
I don't know. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm saying, yeah. like, think about it. So going back to twisting out cancer, <laughs> where you got, where you started and where you've gone and all those things. And you're right, where we have come, whether it's the realization of the pandemic and talking more openly about health or mental wellness and all the things, it is interesting because I, as somebody who has done public speaking off and on throughout my adult life, but not consistently, but very much am passionate to do that. And certainly storytelling is not a difficult thing for me. Um, not intentionally, just, you know, it's kind of like a realization that's really come through like time. Um, and I definitely think it's my mother who passed two weeks before we, this country shut down from the pandemic, not because of COVID, but her own path and her own intuition that probably said, get me the fuck out of here. I see the writing on the wall and I don't want my children to go through all this with me. Um, but her guided angel aspect of things that who always saw me as a writer and a leader and a speaker and all the things when she went through her five strokes and my saving her life through over three years and dealing with heads of nurses, administrations and specialists and all these things and being like, come on people, why did you go into healthcare if you're not gonna give the patient the time and the respect and the honor? And by the way, this woman fought for all of you women to keep your name, have a bank account, get a mortgage, have a job, have your freedom to have your voice, all the things. So if you can't show respect, get that out of my way, because I don't want you near her because she deserves better. And I started having heads of administrations in hospitals say, you really need to talk in front of doctors and nurses as a whole. And that was before this last journey of going through cancer. And I think one of the maybe many reasons why Sharon wanted to connect this, not because there was a plan, by the way, but a connection and a, and a, a scene to spirits who had, you've done way more than I've you know, done in this path. And I don't know what my path is, but I have, I may have shared with you and I certainly have shared with my team that I'm ready to do that. And the irony, Jenna, and I may or may not have shared with you, and this takes me, me back to my ear, nose and throat doctor, going through thyroid cancer four times, I'm lucky to have my voice. One of my vocal cords is 60% paralyzed from going through all that. And so now using my voice more than ever is so important to me and coming to this last round of chemo even affected my voice to the point of like now they've seen some uptick in the thyroid and Jesus mm. after seven years I pray to God there's nothing there and all the things that I've also been faced with since post chemo and so when you talk mm. about like you know mental health and people taking care of themselves and all the things there's no room for any toxic energy, period. Agreed. And it's interesting because I just got off the phone and this is just being, we're, we're sitting around the campfire. This is the whole point of this podcast. Where is this? Mm -hmm. We're having a very authentic, very present conversation. I just got off the phone with my social worker from my medical team because there's, there have been people, only one particular that will remain nameless, 
who doesn't understand boundaries and is challenging my boundaries. And I know what boundaries are. I also know what toxic, abusive people are. I can smell them miles away. And crazy making is not allowed in my life. And when Felicia goes silent on you, it's, it's because I try coming in the door 20 different times in a really loving way. But your crazy cannot permeate my recovery. And so radio silence is where one goes. Mm -hmm. which is a joke considering how verbal I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's the cause and effect. And what people don't realize through these journeys that people go through and the people around them go through is how do you manage your emotions and how do you safely recover and how do you go back to normal life and there's no such thing as normal that's a word in our language that I don't even know why it exists Mm -hmm. um but how you protect yourself safely and you know find your jus de vivre and feel like okay I can come out of this rock and the next rock is gonna like you know Mm -hmm. it's gonna be we're gonna be good there too and you know it's like you said it took you you know, five years, which five years for most that ever have been directly or indirectly or just watching or paying attention or reading about cancer is a, uh, is a mark. It's a marking point. And I certainly know that in the thyroid world, they don't talk about remission. They just are always following you. Yeah. You know, you're lucky if you get to a year but they're still following you every year. Mm -hmm. It may not be three months and six months, maybe it's a year. Mm -hmm. And then if they see something, then they go backwards Mm -hmm. and like it's only six months or four months. In this case with ovarian cancer, I'm just, I'm not even out of the woods. I'm, I'm heading into maintenance right now. Can I just interrupt you for a second, Felicia? Cause something you said to me kind of struck a chord. Um, you were saying how you're now six weeks into recovery. And the thing that struck me about that was like, I would argue I'm still in recovery. Like Mm -hmm. that's a constant process. Like I'm not in it in the way that you're in it. Right. Where like your body, your mind, everything is in the process of healing, (laughs) but but I'm certainly still healing. I mean, that trauma stays with you, right? It's just, you figure out tools of how to manage it. Maybe it gets quieter, but it's still within you. That never goes away. You know, I agree with you. And I, and I'm grateful you said that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not happy that that's how you feel, but I'm grateful that you said that out loud because it's important for people to understand that, that you're not looking to go, oh, hi, over here. Yeah, I still have a little, you know, where's still a little trauma. <laughs> wants to like say, you know, have that be their truth, but it is the truth. Mm-hmm. And it's important for people to understand that 
You are a strong, beautiful, smart, accomplished woman with a full life to be proud of. You not only survived, but you created this beautiful family and marriage and, and movement and shout on top of the mountain. Like it makes me want to cry and give me chills all at the same time. It's like, I'm so thankful that Sharon introduced us. <laughs> and to that point, it's like, so there's no time for the bullshit. There's no time for the small-minded crazy makers. There's no time for anything that takes your energy and your blood pressure up and makes you go, are you, excuse me, fucking kidding me right now? Like, you know, I literally am dumbfounded by people. And I should, you know, like, again, my hair knows some throat doctor and his wife, who's this brilliant anesthesiologist, are like, we don't understand why you're still baffled by Hollywood. And I'm like, because I've got a heart <laughs> and because I'm a passionate artist. And even though I came in to like direct and storytell, I had to go to the hair and makeup world. So I, I, as a woman, could even get into this industry. And I'd like to think well about people, but I'm constantly dumbfounded by the unhealthy environments that this industry has been built on that people just glamorize. And I still wanna be a storyteller and I still wanna, you know, be a part of this world, but with healthy, kind creatives mm -hmm. who are smart and get it. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what I hope to, draw in and ironically that's who I was with right when I got this diagnosis and had to walk away from so I pray to God that the gods that are listening the are like don't worry Felicia we got you mm -hmm. you're already doing it mm -hmm. you are you're putting yourself out there I mean you continue to do that things are going to fall into place the way they're supposed to be I really wholeheartedly believe that I think it's amazing. Oh, I do. You. I mean, to to be so focused on sharing all of the hard and the mess and all the stuff, and just putting it out there in the universe, knowing that someone might benefit from it, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal, especially given that like you're just getting out of like the routine of being an active treatment, which is crazy. You know, and you're focusing on the next thing already. A lot of people take a lot of time to be like, what the fuck was that? But you're not, I mean, I know you're doing that, but you're doing that and doing all these other things to try. Oh and yeah, the, the podcast that was dropped this week uh -huh. with a girlfriend of mine who lives in the Netherlands. And when she said, you know, I think we should do um, or she's like, would you be open to me doing a podcast with you where I ask you the questions? And I was like, yeah, sure. What do you want to ask me? She's like, I want to ask you about your journey because you've been so public, but I think people don't like maybe really understand the layers to that. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Well, that turned into like literally a four part series. And the first two was about like the initial stuff. The third and the fourth part are about the now you've gone through it. Now you're on the other side of it. 
and and it's about the conversation that nobody has, which is why I wanted to also have this conversation with you. The conversation that nobody publicly has and the what the fuck was that that I just went through? Mm -hmm. Right. Called fear, overwhelm, and all the things that you don't want to be like really engaging with, but there it is. And and for me, literally, and I mean, <laughs> like us, it's like there she and I were, you know, we're, you know, nine hours apart in time. And, you know, it's in the middle of the night with her and she's wanting to do this after days of working. And, you know, we're laughing and having real heart to hearts. And, you know, I literally in my first two parts, I was like, yeah, no, the fear, fear hasn't shown up. And man is shevitz. <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally like two days after our conversation and I've gotten through chemo and now I'm super, super sick from these God blessed things shoved in your body. And I come through that and I'm so concerned about my weight of all the goddamn things because I don't want to put on the weight that I've successfully lost. And it might sound so vain, but it's not because I know it's relative to feeling good. It's relative to your identity and all the hard work you did and like staying within like the realization of all the things. And people are telling me, oh, people put on shitloads of weight going through chemo. And I'm like, oh God, please don't tell me that because that's like giving Felicia permission to just sit down to chocolate right now. Like, you know, like, they can't, nah, please don't, don't, don't give me permission for any of that stuff. I've, I've, and what do I do? Literally that Saturday that I feel great. Um, my husband's off to work and I'm like, oh, I need to go grocery shopping because we need to get food in the house for the week and blah, blah, blah. And as soon as I come home from grocery shopping, I like sit down to go eat. And I don't think I came up from eating for like three days. My hand and my mouth had a relationship like they had an affair off and God knows what, you know, private islands. <laughs> and I woke up and went, uh, hello, can you stop this now? Because it's not going to be good, the end results. And it was serving my emotions. It was like trying to nurture myself to like, what in God's name was that, that you just went through? I mean, the whole thing, not just the, I wasn't the eating. It was all of the months of what just happened. Yeah. yeah. And so I appreciate the reflection back because no, you know, I know that I had time distance going through thyroid cancer. And so over time, your perspective, you learn things so you can share and teach and enlighten and advocate, right? But with time, you also get distance of like, it's not like you said, and now it's not about my story. It's about all these other people's stories that we get to leverage and help give power and value and, you know, uh, to, to then in turn be those rocks in the water effects mm -hmm. to all the other people. So 240,000 people might be affected, but the truth is it could be 750,000 or several millions that twisting out cancer has effectively affected. I'm hoping that, cause I don't, you know, I don't need to know, as you uh, have already acknowledged, I don't need to know where this is going. I just know that it's really important to have these conversations 
share these conversations with a greater platform because you just don't know who you're going to affect, who's going to hear it and go, holy shit. Wow. I never realized. I, and I had this, somebody said this to me this week. I never realized until listening to you how, when this other individual in my life was going through this, like how I was or wasn't present Mm-hmm. And now how this is all resonating with me and how all those things that they were saying now is coming full blown back to me and how, and it was just a whole chain of events and it was a very different kind of conversation, but like there again, yeah. Yeah. so the layered onion. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I just, um, you know, I just want to ask you, you know, if, if you were looking at little Jenna, like <laughs> under, you know, you know, somewhere between the age of three to seven, because that's such a formulative stage. If you can remember, like, who did little Jenna want to be? And how has she like aligned or shifted with that vision and passionate little being well interesting enough such a good question by the way so good um I think I wanted at that age I really wanted to be a dancer right but really dance is what sparked this right I was getting up in my room and dancing yeah no I'm not dancing every day (laughs) but but I'm it's definitely what started the movement. So maybe it was onto something when I was little and just didn't know it. I got chills. Oh, yeah, I got chills because, you know, uh, the terminology of vision boards and all that is such a contemporary thing. But the truth mm-hmm. is, is that's existed forever. You know, I mean, why, why do you think... Why do you think we can go back and see, you know, drawings on walls of rocks, you know, I mean, we were telling stories and having vision board. I mean, like, this is not like, I'm sorry, Oprah, this is not some current thing, you know, like, and that's what people identify it with. That's the weirdest thing to me. Yeah. I, as a little girl had, wall. I mean, if I showed you my walls right now, it's no different, but I had walls covered of things that inspired me at the time that turned into manifesting my future. And I think that's a constant evolution. It's like why I said, you know, where are you today versus when you started twisting on cancer, where do you see yourself in the future? And why I asked about your little girl self, because how does that connect in your own truth? Mm-hmm. Or how did you evolve? But clearly, you know, and, and you don't have to physically be dancing because mentally it all starts with the mind, mm-hmm. right? It all starts with the mind, the vision, the feeling before you actually take action and do the physical dance. So you can actually always be dancing and have been clearly because of here and here. Mm-hmm. And how 
cool that you took, I mean, just like the feeling that came up from you when you shared that and how relatable it is to your nonprofit, how you manifested that into that powerful outcome through a love of yours that was so purely endearing Mm -hmm. and how you can look at your children at those at those ages now right and what their little beautiful minds are like manifesting for their future they're your little mirrors of that beautiful empowering possibilities Mm. Mm. (laughs) and and how great that you have created those those gifts that are going to continue to carry on your legacies that you've put out there, whether directly, indirectly being the product of, you know, you and your spouse or, or, or because they, you know, they see the power and the purpose and the, and what, what mommy created out of something that, you know, she thrived from. Mm -hmm. My eldest just spoke at a twist event last week for the first time and it was just the best. <laughs> it was just the best because it wasn't, you know, I asked her, I said, do you want to practice what you want to say? You want to tell me? And she's like, no, no, I got this. She did. She totally had it because she spoke from the heart and how it's impacted her and what she thinks of what we're doing. Yeah. And that was like such a special moment because it's no longer again it's not my message and why I think people should get involved and support it it's coming from the next generation to this event I mean there were tons of kids and my husband spoke at it and he made a really interesting point where he's like 20 years ago we would never have had an event like this openly talking about cancer in front of young people we're able to do this because we shouldn't be ashamed. We shouldn't be fearful to be talking about it. It should be the topic of dinner conversation. We should be educating our kids that people are surviving this. They are thriving with this. People, you know, it, it's no longer that scary older person's disease. I mean, certainly it is that too. It's all, a lot of things. It's not just that. And I think the more that we talk about these hard things, the better off we are. It's such a different environment. I mean, my I, I was lucky that I grew up with my mom who's a psychologist. And so we were very much oriented in this way. But but I, I don't, we never talked about cancer and certain medical issues. I mean, between my husband and I, I mean, he also, he's a cancer surgeon. So we talk about cancer like it's, you know, it's, it's normal. It's, it's around us. And, you know, sometimes I wonder, am I, Am I exposing them too early? But then there's another part of me that wonders, like, what is it going to be like for them when they're adults, right? And it might be that we'll have better treatments and people will be living longer and it won't be this life and death thing the way that it has been, you know, for a long time. So it's just interesting seeing the next thing. Yeah, I didn't mean to jump on you. I it, What came up for me right now was um, consciousness. Mm-hmm. I think I think the question of what, when or, you know, how, how young is too young or whatever, well, consciousness is consciousness. Mm-hmm. And 
I think, and this is very, you know, kind of metaphysical speaking or, you know, I'll take it to things like Kabbalah, you know, and I don't mean in a religious or mystical, but, but like all we are is energy. And I think that, look at, we're all faced with things at every stage of the game. And we just, we just label, you know, it's again, what I said about how other people's impressions get put upon, you know, and I think maybe as a, a child of somebody who saw parents divorce and, and father die at a very young age and lose businesses, like, yeah, I was young. And yeah, I grew up fast and so did my brother and sister, but, you know, kids are in the midst of wars mm-hmm. and they, they may or may not have even been delivered, let alone what they're living through. So like, nobody wants anything but goodness to be exposed to, right? But that's sadly not reality. And that does not make for a fully developed human being in the way that gives them the tools to operate. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean that you drop in them in a situation of trauma? No, but you give them the tools to then make their own choices based upon the information they've been provided mm-hmm. allows for them to participate in a way that can provide actually hopefully more safe environments, more open environments, more welcoming to ask questions, more enlightenment, more consciousness collectively to together shift. And that is, like you said, your husband said 20 years ago, there's no way. But the consciousness that we're in today, whether you call it the Aquarian age or whatever you want to call it, is giving movement to what is possible. Mm-hmm. And I do hope for these younger generations, not to say that they won't be faced with similar things that all of our generations have been in different ways, but I do hope that they have more tolerance, that they have more openness, that they do have ability to speak more about what is unacceptable versus acceptable in a way that helps a larger thriving circumstance and that in situations like a cancer that you know wasn't spoken of in the manner that we can today and are and whether it's you know because of the you know stand up to cancer movements or the twist out cancer movements or you know it's ironic and this is kind of a quick sidebar Amongst all the many things I wanted to become, um, I don't know if you know the name Sherry Lansing. Mm-hmm. You know, so Sherry Lansing was the head of the studio of Paramount. She was, you know, it, it's very challenging for women to like succeed in this town, let alone in the world, right? <laughs> and uh, not because we're not capable, it's because of the, the again, the put upon shit. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, once I saw her in 1988, back in Chicago, with the most amount of Jews I'd ever been surrounded by and still have ever in my life. Uh, And I say that with love. I mean, it was just one of those like, Jesus, God, I mean, like, I've never, you know, 
been been with this many tribes, you know, in one fell swoop. Like what? But she was so impactful on me. And I was like, wow, I could become a studio head. That would be really something. Every book I read on women who really rose up in the in the ranks here in this town all died of cancer. Before I ever got cancer, by the way. And um Wow. Yeah, there's there's a part of me that almost doesn't want to record what I'm thinking. So I'm I'm kind of refraining from it, but part of me just wants to say it. I just I just think that, you know, um I just think we as individuals have to be responsible for our cause and effects. Mm-hmm. That's the way I'm gonna put it. And I think that um, this town attracts a lot of dysfunction and I'm sure most industries do. So I understand that I've been in this bubble for a long time, but I think this is an industry that attracts it in a way that you really don't know where people come from and you really don't, you know, you don't really understand all the monstrous bullshit but yet it gets, it gets, it gets celebrated versus like, no, that's not acceptable. No, we're not going to, we're not going to put the monster up on the pedestal and celebrate them. We're going to celebrate the people who really bring the good things to the table. And that doesn't happen in this industry. And um, I think therefore it creates a lot of toxicity and a lot of harm. And, um, and I'm, and I know that it's one aspect of, and I love, by the way, I want to be very clear. I will, I, I am a true student of filmmaking. I mean, I, my med, my, my education was fine arts, pre-med and photography filmmaking. And I literally went to film school and I was like the only girl in my film program in my class at the time. And I knew going out to become a director at the time was not not welcome. And that was the late eighties, early nineties. And I had a lot of school loans to pay back. And so I couldn't just stand there waiting for you know the job to be offered. I mean, look at today as a perfect example, all these years later, it's still not an easy feat. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying it's not, it's not, it's not a feat where like you go out and say, I'm going to become a cancer doctor. Likelihood is you're going to work 24 seven. If you're good at what you do, you're going to be in demand. You could be the best goddamn visual artist, director, storyteller on the planet. And it could be like, you know, like, you know, no, but nobody is, nobody's calling your name. So, you know, as somebody who's just gone through what I've gone through in the current moment, you do sit back and reflect mm-hmm. on like the, the landscape and you go, okay, now where do I want to venture? What waters do I want to mm-hmm. dip my toes in and what waters don't I? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not going to put my, my words into your mouth, but I could imagine that you had some of that reflection. Oh, for sure. I also found that I was, the fear was gone, right? I mean, I mean, I had just survived something that was crazy. So why am I worried about wanting to do this? Like, 
when I say that I was fearless, it didn't mean I was fearful about making sure my body was going to be okay. Like I was still worried about that, right? I wasn't yes. going to jump out of the airplane. Okay. But was I willing to take more risks like in my career and with love and with friends and like getting out of my comfort zone? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I could not have started Twist without not like looking fear in the face, right? I mean, yeah. Had to, because in order to start something, you have to you have to be a bit fearless. Yeah. Start a new career path, to start a new chapter, you have to put fear aside. I mean, it doesn't mean you don't have fears, but you're willing to take more risks. And so I'm gonna be so curious to see where you go with this and what you end up tapping back into that maybe you were interested in when you were younger and that part of yourself had become more quieted as you got to being an adult, because that's what happens. It's what it, ha it is what happens and it happens because I believe um, you know you have to out of a lot of reasons life and then you have to readjust and life you know it's a lot it was a lot of like oh you can't keep doing this because of this happened in life or there isn't money to support that or you know or you have to go get a job and so you can't go to wall street or go be in the mailroom at caa or you know because mommy and daddy don't have that money to support you and again i was just having that conversation there's a difference between you know having the leverage of being a trust fund baby versus not and that's that's you know and i've been working legitimately since i was 14 and so I understand what what choices have had to be made. And you're right. I, I don't know what it's going to turn out looking like. And again, as I said, I don't, but I don't need to. But I agree with you when you are faced with a life threatening disease. You become fearless. Not because you're not concerned and worried and you're not cavalier about it. No, instead, you are, you are, um, you are, um, you know that anything is possible mm -hmm. to overcome mm -hmm. with the right mindset. Mm -hmm. And that, that's why. I know I definitely, and I've gone through this before, but it's a different going through it, that I definitely now have no tolerance for any, anybody's stuff. Like I, I, I and I, I think people just don't realize that. And, you know, people are like, oh, well, Felice, you've got to have boundaries. I have boundaries. Mm -hmm. <laughs> don't question my boundaries. Mm -hmm but also don't push mm -hmm. because you're not going to like what comes back at you mm -hmm. because of all the things I tried. And right now, it, I just think if this is not a threat, like how do people just not, you know, the respect for just space and understanding is dumbfounding to me. I agree. I used to always think about how it was ironic maybe it was, it was fitting, but I was diagnosed with gray zone lymphoma because everything became very black and white. <laughs> I, I had no tolerance for, for bullshit. I cut toxicity out of my life. All of the characters that were not 
filling me up no longer had a place. And I've sort of continued that. I mean, I just don't have room for it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't serve me. It doesn't serve others. Like, I don't need any energy vampires nearby. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And it, and it's interesting because, you know, I do believe the universe tests you on things like that. Well, let's see how clear you are or how true you are to that statement or, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, I don't need any more tests. I'm very clear. But yet they have come up. Mm-hmm. One in particular who's still trying to be the vampire. Um, and it's like, you do not want me to respond. Matter of fact, my not responding is my final act. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that comes from learning from dealing with domestic violence. Mm-hmm. You do not get away from your abuser by engaging. That's like that's like striking a match to a fire. Mm-hmm. So you don't fuel the fire. You detach. You cut it off. You cut it off at the leg, the arm, the voice box, the whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a survival mechanism. It's a tool. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, if that individual even tries to come to my property, which they, I, I know the crazy making, they will, you know, not because I'm putting it out there, but just how stupid these people are. And I don't use that word in my language, by the way, but this, this person just has not gotten, and it's so fascinating because you can do all the cutting out. Mm-hmm. People just are, uh, I don't know why the word remarkable came up because remarkable is not the word I would apply. All right. Go you know, but um, I, I appreciate you sharing those insights because it's so relatable and it's in it. I think it's things that people need to hear what people, when you've gone through these things, why you make the choices you make, why you take the actions you take, not each and every one of individuals who have gone through the things you and I've gone through, I think necessarily speak the same way. I'm not going to say we're all under the same camp or roof or whatever, but I love the fact that Sharon had this insight to go, now these two, these two souls need to connect. And I mean, Sharon and I have, I mean, I haven't seen Sharon forever. Like, Awesome. early 80s or, or whenever I, I really don't know I mean we've actually not conversed so for her whatever I must have been saying she must have said oh Jen and Felicia yeah how awesome is that yeah totally awesome spirit connection and I love you for it oh yeah I'm happy we got connected Felicia really it's been a real honor getting to know you the last couple of weeks. I know that this is just the beginning. Well, I feel um, honored to, to be introduced to you. I'm really um, inspired by you. You have, you know, taken something and wow, created your own like mountain of achievement. Uh, to help so many people 
that is that is remarkable. And um, I hope that every minute of every day uh, that you know the impact that you're making on people's lives because of your willingness to be fearless and to do something that people needed. Um, and that, you know, um, it's people like you that we need in this world who are healing, healing and are healers. Even if you don't even necessarily, I mean, I don't even know that you ever use that word referring to yourself, but you are, that is a form of being a healer. You don't have to be a practicing healer, whether you have doctor in front of your name, or you call yourself a mediumship or a you know, intuitive or whatever, you took action. You didn't even have to know how that was going to turn out. And yet here it is a decade later, touching all these lives. And now your children are speaking on it and your husband's speaking on it and reflecting back on you and worthy of being reflected back on for the overcoming, the plowing through, the standing up, the using the power of your voice and your ability to write out your feelings and connect with people. Um, I just applaud you and I'm so very grateful at this time of my life to be able to connect with such a gorgeous spirit like yourself because you are the kind of woman and the kind of spirit not because of the cancer, but because of your soul spirit that I want to run with, that I know, and I have throughout my life had women like you in my life, but it is like a coming, coming back into my truth that you sit in front of me, you know, showing me that this is exactly the kind of quality of human being that matters to me to create with, to engage with, to speak with, to enlighten with, to love with, to laugh with, you know, to go forward with. And um, I don't know what that means going forward, but I hope it's something really beyond my wildest dreams. So thank you. (laughs) 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 Really touching. This is a real honor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time because I know it's, you know, I'm so happy we did it. It was like a good (laughs) cleanse. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Hear that. I hope anybody that's had the opportunity to hear part one and part two of my conversation with Jenna and who may or may not have been touched by cancer definitely has more of an insight of the kind of journeys people go through and the kind of inspiration one can be. And I look forward to you joining me next week for a new episode with my guest, Sarah Weissman. In the meantime, have a great week. Much love. Bye for now.